This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 154 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Learning, growing, looking cute, and geeking out. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. This episode is sponsored by Equestrian Collections at equestriancollections.com. Plus Uncle Jimmy's, and you can find them at uncle-jimmy's.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hail hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop This is Glenn the Geek And this is Helena B And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show On the Horse Radio Network Well howdy Helena Hi Glenn, how are you today? Okay, I really haven't talked to you much in the last week I know, I know. Now that we've consolidated everything, we only get together once a week. I know, and you've been you've been busy trying to get ready for your big surgery. I have. I've been nesting like a fool, <laughs> trying to get everything done, work done, house clean, everybody in order. Yeah, I'm really excited about getting this over and done with. So is, did you buy little Gracie, your daughter, a nurse's outfit? No, she does. That does come naturally to her, though. <laughs> I know she'll probably doing be doing most of the nursing. Although I, I just saw her ride <laughs> ride by my office window on her bicycle with a velvet show helmet on. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, maybe she's not the best one to be taking care of you after knee surgery. Well, at least she's wearing a helmet. Yeah, that's true. That is true, and it's probably better than a bike helmet. They are rated a little better than bike helmets. So yep. there you yep. go. Well, she's just practicing for the future days when she's going to be a dressage queen. Oh, I know. That would be nice if she does dressage. I don't have to worry as much. <laughs> no, she'll be an inventor. You watch. I know. Knowing Gracie, she will. Yeah, yeah. she liked that thrill. Yeah. Well, we have a big show planned for today. Coming up today, we have, uh, we have a couple of segments. And the first one, of course, I'm going to do my geek pick of the week. And then we have, uh, they, actually, these people wrote to us, and I thought it was fascinating. We actually have a competition that combines teens training Mustangs, which I didn't think sounded tremendously safe at first, but apparently they got it pretty well organized out there in Oregon, and we're going to talk to them about teens and Oregon Mustangs and see how, what, what's up with that. We're actually going to talk to one of the teens who trained a Mustang last year. That's pretty good, because I know a lot of adults who can't even train Mustangs. I, I would have second thoughts, you know, what? so about training a Mustang myself, you know, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm all about learning about how the teens are doing it, so we'll get them on. And then uh, you're doing your first segment of. <laughs> Here you go. You ready? Sitting down? Yeah. <laughs> Everything I need to know about life I learned in Pony Club, except I didn't do Pony Club. <laughs> 
<laughs> so this is these are our excerpts from the Pony Club manuals of horsemanship uh, applied to to everybody. To so it's for pony clubbers of all ages, especially okay. as grown ups. I can't wait to see what you have planned for that one. Of course, with our little spin on it. Uh, of course. Well, you know, it, everything requires discussion. We have to weigh our in on everything. So, yeah. So what what I'm going to uh, I'm basically translating the rules of horsemanship from the United States Pony Club. But uh, Glenn and I are going to pick them apart and apply them to our <laughs> to real life. All right. And then we have the tag and habit segment. And I actually have a guest coming on for a couple minutes with us who has a, a cool new product line that I really liked. And that's why I picked this one, because I just thought they were neat. And it sort of, let's say, combines rock and roll with horses. And that's what we're going to be talking about on today's show. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's do this. Let's go to my tech pick and talk about that. And then we'll get our guests on to talk about teens and Mustangs. Well, my tech pick's quick and easy this week. I had to buy a new toy, and everybody needs these. And of course, you, you know, we remind everybody we're doing these tech picks because every one of you listening to this show is techie in some way, or you wouldn't be listening to this show. You wouldn't have found us in the first place. That's true. So you all have computers. You all do things with your iPhones or your Android phones or your smartphones of some sort, and you all have computers. So we're, that's where the tech picks come in. And I'm trying to do picks that will apply to every horse owner. This one is a gadget. And the reason I picked it is because I just bought one, actually, and I needed to buy one. One of the things that you do not have enough of today, and especially if you have a notebook computer or a Mac, Macs seem to be severely short on these, <laughs> or a PC, is you just Not don't that you're have, biased or anything. I know, anything. but they don't. Uh, I know, I know. Is I U- agree. USB ports. You need 100 USB ports nowadays between your printer and then plugging in your phone or or your camera and everything else that goes, your mouse and your keyboard and everything else gets plugged in by USB now. Yes, it does. So not, a, not you know, especially the smaller computers, as I said, just don't have enough USB ports. So I needed a USB extender. And I got this at Staples. I just went out to Staples and found it. But USB extenders can range from about, this one was $14, up to like $60. And there was a wide variety of choices, and I just thought I'd tell you that I bought the $14 one, but I bought a specific $14 one because I had heard good reviews on it. So if you need a USB extender, that's where you you take one USB port on your computer, and in this case, you can make it into four. So So it's got four additional ports. Four additional ports. It expands one to four. That's good. I'm going to have to get one of those. Yeah, and it's this one, you want to get one, and, and I recommend this specific one. It's called a Rocketfish. It's Rocket, that's the brand, Rocketfish. Okay. And this is their Rocketfish four-port USB hub. We'll put links to it in our show notes. And it's designed for use with the USB 2.0 devices. That's very important because that determines the speed. Right. So, 2.0 is faster. Yes. Yeah, so you definitely want it to say USB 2.0. And this will do data transfers up to 480, which doesn't mean anything to anybody. But suffice it to say that I am able to use this to to do one of the hardest things there is to update and that can take the slowest if if it doesn't have a good port, and that's iTunes update to your iPod. Uh That can take forever. It can. So uh, like when you're syncing up your iPod. Yes. Oh, that's just awful sometimes. This one is very fast. Right. Well, plugging in, I remember plugging my iPod into my old Mac um, it would say, 
uh, this iPod could life could be so much easier yeah, if you had right. a two point right. USB port. I'm that's like, right. what? Okay. Now you know why it's saying yes. that because it oh, and be it's so screaming fast. fast. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. So like, so even if if you have, let's say, you take um, most of us do digital photos these days. You have a digital camera and you want to upload the pictures from your camera to your computer. It'll go a lot faster if you or video. That's right. And it'll go a lot faster if you have a 2.0 port. So where do people get these things? Because I need to get five Staples or, or wherever. They're, Amazon has them for like $10. Okay. And you got yours at Staples, you I said. got mine at Staples for like $14. I know Amazon has them for like 10 bucks. And the other, just real quick, the other thing I liked about this is it has a suction cup on the bottom. So it actually oh. cups to your desk, which is kind of oh. cool. And it's, it's yeah, otherwise it's it slides all over the place and it right. falls off the back and unplugs itself. And most of these are straight. You know, they're just straight across and they have the four points. This one actually is round. And the, the USB ports go around it. So that's kind of cool because if you have a fatter USB plug, they don't get in the way of each other. So <gasps> that was kind of neat that I really liked. And the other thing is it has a cord that plugs it into the USB so you can get it away from your computer. Some of them, the USB extender and port are all one, and you have to plug it. It's one unit that plugs into your computer, and that's kind of a pain in the butt. So I got one that has a cord. You can actually get this up to four feet away from your computer. That sounds like a really good deal for $14. That's a really – it's a very convenient little – gadget to have there's my tech pick of the week the rocket fish four point usb hub well i am impressed glenn thank you much very much for bringing that to the the horse world and it's cheap and it's it's cheap and easy (laughs) a horse person's two favorite words i say that all the time well let's let's uh let's do our commercial for equestrian collections and then we are going to talk to our first guests well, you know, I had the opportunity the other night uh, to have uh, to go attend a party with Chris from Equestrian Collections and her husband Jim, and we had a great time chatting, and uh, we we just had a wonderful time chatting about business and what's going on in in the the world of uh, retail in the horse world. There's lots of new products coming out, and of course, Ada Show is coming up that that we go to every year, and their uh, Equestrian Collections will be there buying all the newest products for the fall. This will be one for fall and winter now. So No, this will be for next summer. Oh, that's right. This is for, for, for winter and spring, actually. Right, yeah. winter and spring. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, so but I had the opportunity to talk to her, and, you know, they just are the nicest people. Mm-hmm. If you want somebody nice to deal with, if you want a good company that's going to treat you right when you're buying stuff for you or for your horse, or for your family, then you want to talk to the people at Equestrian Collections. And they have a new coupon code now for listeners of the Horse Radio Network. It's just HRN, like Horse Radio Network, HRN. It's a promo code when you check out, and that'll get you $10 off your next order of $120 or more. Oh, that's awesome. And you can use it multiple times. It's not just once. You can use this over and over again. So you're going to be buying stuff. You know, you buy a pair of breeches and a shirt nowadays. You're over 120 bucks. Oh, well, please, you buy fly spray and you're over 120 bucks. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so you can check it all out at equestriancollections.com. And don't forget to check out their sales section. They have up to 70% off uh, what seems like about 100 products. So that's at their sales section over there at Equestrian Collections as well. Well, let's get the uh, first guests on today. They are from the Oregon BLM Mustangs, and it's a program that was formed in 2009 by Erica Fitzgerald. 
And her goal was to help the BLM yearling Oregon Mustangs to be adopted. And she thought that they could do that by having them more trained. They're hard to adopt out when they're just standing there and they've never been touched. Yeah, yeah. So she thought, well, you know what? We're going to get them trained and we're going to use teenagers to help do that. Now, what kind of crazy idea that was, we're going to find out. And then we're also going to talk to Sarah Watson, who is 15 years old and at the age of 14 actually trained her first Mustang for the program and is doing another one this year. And, mm-hmm. and hers got adopted out. So let's, let's talk to them both and find out all about this program. And I hear some reservation in your voice, so I'm sure you have some questions about this that uh, they might be able to answer for us. Well, hi, Erica and Sarah, and welcome to the Stable Scoop Show. Hello. Hi. Well, i got to start with Erica. You're the founder of of this organization, Teens in Oregon Mustangs, and I I have to ask you, I love the idea of this. You know, we just did a show that Helena actually was a host on that show where we interviewed Madeline Pickens and spent about an hour with her. So, oh, so, you know, we, under, we understand the dilemma here and how many Mustangs are really out there waiting to be adopted and how hard it is to adopt them out because they're not very well trained. Right. And I, so I understand the motivation of what you wanted to do. My biggest question is, what made you think about putting Mustangs with teenagers? <laughs> That's a good question. I actually was a competitor in the Extreme Mustang Makeover back uh, three years ago, oh, wow. and i that was my first uh, time ever being uh, around a wild horse. I actually kind of had a bad taste in my mouth about wild horses uh, in general because I felt like um, they had a bad reputation, and um, I believe that that reputation has come because of um, the general public's uh, lack of being able to gentle a wild horse. And so um, some of the people that were gentling these horses um, maybe weren't um, gentling them correctly, and there was some, uh, you know, things happening that made me believe that um, the Mustang was responsible for this. Um, however, my husband and I got an offer to, uh, from a client. We had trained a couple horses for a, a client of ours, and they were all wild horses. And... Um, and she had liked the job that we did and kept encouraging us to be a part of this uh, extreme Mustang makeover put on by the Mustang Heritage Foundation. And we were declining and not wanting to do it and drug our feet. And finally, she we put in an she bought an application to us and we filled it out and sent it in and we both got selected. And that was our first um, introduction to wild horses. Now, I assume um, so, by what you're saying that you've been training horses for a long time. We have, yes. Okay. And so we went to the wild horse crowds. They ran two, it's lottery draw. They ran two wild horses into our trailer. We brought them home. And that's when the journey began. We were given 90 days uh, to gentle and train uh, two wild horses. They were both five years old. And, um, and then show them, you know, uh, at, a, at a competition. And we both, uh, I think that's when it, uh, it opened our eyes to, just how awesome these horses are. And uh, we had really discounted the, the Mustangs um, so unfairly. And um, I thought that horse taught me more than any horse has ever taught me. Uh, and I actually bought her back and, and still own her, um, the horse that I competed with that year. And I thought, gosh, how can I, I work with the youth on a daily basis. I'm a trainer of a lot of, a lot of kids and 
I mentor kids and I, I train them and we, you know, uh, do that as a, for a living um, in addition to training horses. And I thought, how can I combine the two? How can I make this, uh, you know, good for the kids and good for the horses and, and make this successful? And that's when I came up with the, this idea. However, I didn't think it was safe um, to put, to pair kids with, with a, a wild horse. So we um, started thinking about how much um, the the yearling horses are generally a lot easier to gentle and train, and so uh, we took yearling twenty as yearling oppo- horses as opposed 20- to the weanlings. No, as opposed to the older horses. Oh, okay. You know, I would say anything two and gotcha. above, two years old and older, is a lot tougher and should okay. require. What was the you know what was your mis- What was the greatest um, misconception that you had about the Mustangs being difficult to, to train. I don't want to say difficult. What, what did you think was difficult? And then when you actually started working with them, what did you find was in fact difficult and were they the same or were they different? Um, well, they're, they're different because, um, I, I feel like, um, first of all, my, my misconception of them was their, um, their, their, uh, brains. They've always, every, I guess their looks, for one, I, I always pictured the Mustang as this big-headed, Roman-nosed, you know, goat-faced, looking <laughs> yeah, yeah, this yeah. terrible hollow with, back. With bad no hair. <laughs> I'm going to oh. call somebody a goat face. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. Like the, horse, the Mustangs I saw, jeez, you know, and, and I, so I didn't ever view them as a beautiful horse, for one, um, which I was very wrong about. Um, that was a definite Oh, I've seen some absolutely beautiful, after they're cleaned up, I've seen some absolutely beautiful mustangs oh it's unbelievable how how some of these some of them have manes and tails that are just out of this world oh we have one in the barn that looks like a miniature frisian and he's just a bombshell i mean it's and some of them you look like it looks like they could have a set of registered quarter horse papers with them you know they're just they're just very typey to the breed um some of the breeds in particular so anyways but then on, on in addition to that um I, I, I did not picture them as a very smart um, horse. The ones that I had been around were real dull, um, you know, very, you know, leany as far as, you know, lean into pressure kind of horse, but dull, just dull. Yep. And, um, and when, in fact, I was so wrong, my, my horse that I adopted from the first competition I was in, uh, her name is Robin, she is she's better than all of our quarter horses at some of these events. I mean, I can... I can do any event I, on that horse, and she's way more athletic and, and tries 10 times harder um, than some of my, my best horses. And so I definitely have been proven wrong by, this, by, the, by these Mustangs. Um, they're very capable of being and doing everything that you know, our registered horses are, are capable of doing. So now, so you, okay, so we got to the point where you said, okay, I'm going to put these teens together, but I'm going to put together, put them together with yearlings because they're, they haven't quite had the life experience or, you know, or the jaded life experience that the older ones have had. And they're just not quite as aggressive. They don't, you know, some of these, um, you know, older horses, um, you know, we've, we've gentled 63 wild horses in the last two years and we've had everything um, you know, they, I'm never surprised anymore because some of them come straight out of the crowds and they're already gentle. I mean, you can lead them into the trailer. 
uh, some of these yearlings especially, and then others, I mean, it's just like putting a feral cat in a, in a stall, and you certainly wouldn't want to put your hand in there. Right. Um, you know, I mean, they're just, they're just um, very defensive. And anytime you corner a, a prey animal, um, obviously there's a, a line of, of safety. They, they feel they need to defend themselves. And obviously the way horses defend themselves, being that they're 10 times our weight and size and strength, um, there is a safety aspect that goes along with that, you know, that we, um, you know, there, there needs to, to, you need to have experience um, of some sort. And I think that the message to the public is that the, the majority of the public cannot go to the corrals and, gen- and take a wild horse nor, to get home. Nor, and sh- nor should they. No. Right. And, and, my, and so my message is, but that doesn't mean that these horses aren't trainable. Why not pair these youth with my same passion that love horses and love um, spending their time in the barn? They, they, they want nothing more of these kids. We, I mean, we, we go through an application process where these, you know, these kids send in their applications and pour their heart out on paper, and we read through them, and we choose these kids based on their passion. And, you know, now, okay, so let me stop you there. So you choose them based on passion, but also experience? Do they have to? Oh, have? you bet. Yeah, okay. They have to be passionate. They have to have um, per- parents that are super supportive. You know, um, they need horse experience uh, to where they, you know, I feel like they so can they, take they're one pretty of much horses. competent riders, at least to begin with, too. Oh, you bet. Okay. Oh, you bet. And hopefully, you know, I, I try not to limit them, you know, the, the applicants to, well, okay, you have to have shown a horse or you have to have been in 4-H or you need to have a trainer or, you know, some of the kids we choose simply have 20 acres in their backyard and like to trail ride on weekends. You know, I'm not going to limit them to just show experience. As long as they have horse experience and they're horse savvy, and they have good parent support and a good mentor. Well, is and, and you know, as well as I do, some of those kids that they've been on horses since two, they're riding bareback uh, across terrain that you and I wouldn't ride with a saddle. So right, yeah. exactly, and that's what we're after. And these kids, you you pair them with a horse that really, um, you know, wants nothing but to be away from them, and they make it their mission to be that horse's friend through the summer. And this is a this is a way to get kids motivated in in the summer to get up every morning and run out to the barn and spend a good solid day um trying a lot of the kids start out with a lawn chair and a book and sitting next to the the stall and just reading to their horses for for hours um you know and others they all have it's cute to watch their strat or to listen to their strategies when they you know pick up their horses because they're very um very cute about the the way that they think. We had one girl that wanted to use Indian methods where she was going to, you know, blow smoke in her horse's nose and she was going to sleep in its stall and all these things. And I, and we were, we were like, no, I don't know if sleeping <laughs> in the stall is the greatest idea, but you know, you try to take a step back and just let them all, um, you know, they're all trained. Figure it out. Yeah. Let them, cause you that's know. part of it is figuring it out is finding. That's right. Finding, right. Okay. She didn't show up in a loincloth, did she? Uh, no. All right, <laughs> oh, <yeah>, just <laughs> the smoke was bad enough. But actually, <laughs> yeah, right. we 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 do have with us one of those participants, um, a, a young gal. Well, not so young. She's 15 years old. Named Sarah Watson. Welcome, Sarah. Hi. You you participated in this program, right? Am I? Yeah. Okay. And um, you know, let's. Gosh, what what? Tell us about it. How did you find out about it? And uh, tell us a little bit about the the Mustang that you had and your approach to training it. 
Okay. Well, this is actually my second year training a horse in this program. And I first learned about it at a horse expo in Albany, where I live. And um, when when I first heard about it, I I was drawn to it because it was a training competition where teams competed against each other. And the Mustangs was definitely not the draw for me in the beginning because I I had the same view as Erica before I trained Mustangs that they were kind of dull and really not beautiful horses. But I was really intrigued by competing with other trainers and really getting a horse that had nothing and getting to put as much training into it as I could. And so I, you know, begged my parents to let me do it. And they said if I got really good grades and I worked really hard all year, then I could compete in this program. And wore a suit of armor every time you were around the horse. Did that turn in there? <laughs> Bubble wrap. No. <laughs> Bubble wrap. Somebody's going to come up with that someday. You watch. <laughs> yeah, and I'd had, I'd had quite a bit of experience with horses. I own four um, domestic horses, and one of them I'd trained, done a lot of training with, especially groundwork. And so I felt like I kind of knew how to train a horse and the approach that I needed to take training-wise. But I'd never worked with any wild horses before, and so I'd never worked with a horse that I couldn't touch. And so that was really hard for me at first because I couldn't just walk up and touch her. And she didn't know how to lead. She didn't want to come to me. <laughs> <laughs> so how did yeah. you start? What, was the, what, what did you do on day one? You, did you sit there with a book, or did you, what did you do? Well, day one, I kind of... I spent a lot of time out just out in the round pen, kind of pushing her around a little bit, um, trying to get her to be interested in me, and she just didn't want to have anything to do with me. It seemed like every time I looked at her, she would turn away and try and walk away. <laughs> but um, I just... Was, well, before you go on, was that hard? You were 14 then. Was that hard for you at 14, having a horse say, uh, I'm not, uh, you're not part of my life? Interested, yeah. Oh, yeah. I came inside that night going what did I get myself into? I can't touch her. (laughs) I don't know what to do. I can't touch her. And And so so did you, did you just sort of that first day, did you, did you say, all right, I'm going to figure this out. Were you already exasperated? Did you go to Erica? Who who did you turn to at that moment when you were faced with something that you was completely new to you? Well, I kind of just kept trying. (laughs) I went back out and I, I tried sitting in her stall and reading her a book and I tried, I slept in the barn with her the first night, not inside the stall, but I slept next to her stall. And I, I just, I spent a lot of time around her. Yeah. And then the next day I got out my lunch whip and I decided, okay, you know what? She needs to have something touch her. So I started touching her with my lunch whip and just getting her used to having something touch her. And she, I, I, fit, I figured out where she liked to be scratched with the lunge whip and then I kind of inched my way closer and closer until I could touch her with my hand. And, of course, I started out, first touch was right where she liked to be scratched, and she decided that she really liked that. So <laughs> that helped a lot, just figuring out where she wanted to be touched, and that's where I started touching her. And how quickly did she, did, did she have that light bulb moment? Like once you got that nice spot and you were scratching her and making her feel good, did that open the doors and, and help you get in in other ways more quickly? Or did, what, did you really have to keep it slow and steady with her the whole way through? Well, it, 
it wasn't really when I was touching her that she got that light bulb moment that I, that she could trust me. It was more probably after about a week of training. And when I was, I was taking her outside and, you know, she kind of wanted to, she wanted to be with the other horses, but I was working with her and I, she finally figured out that I wanted her to be with me and she really needed to stay with me. And I think that was really more the light bulb moment that, oh, this is my leader. This is who I'm going to trust. And she would just do absolutely anything for me. How long till you actually got on her? Did you end up riding her then at some point? No. No? She, okay. was, just, she was just a yearling, so she was too young to ride. Oh, that's true. Okay. Yeah. You've got to start somewhere, Glenn. See, he's so impatient. <laughs> so now what <laughs> This is why Mustangs would not be good we for No, no. We because actually have a rule that the kids can't ride their horses uh, in, at all okay. throughout the year. Okay. They can saddle them and they can, you know, introduce them to a little bit of weight by leaning over the top of them or putting something on them, but they can't ride them. And, and that's good because then you don't have the expectation and which right. would make them rush through something. Right. Exactly. So we, then you, it's actually is a competition. So ha, what happens at the competition? So I assume after what period of time, it's like a hundred, almost a hundred days, isn't it? It is. It's 98. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you go to, you bring them someplace and you show them off. Well, the first year that we uh, had this program, we had it at our farm, Fitzgerald Farms in Yamhill, and in Yamhill, Oregon, and we um, have a, a 20% of their overall score is judged on their body conditioning, which is judged by a veterinarian, and they, um, it's, it, you know, it's a hands-on body, actual body score that the kids receive. So they get just as much deduction for a horse that's too heavy as a horse that's too thin. The ideal horses are obviously going to score the highest, and then there's an overall top winner of that uh, division. Um, And then the next that they go into is showmanship, and the showmanship is worth 30% of their overall score. Um, Showmanship is judged just like it is in 4-H. They line up five at a time, and they show to a judge um, a a very standard 4-H-type pattern. Um, and then they go into a in-hand trail class one at a time with 10 obstacles, the 10th of the obstacles being a, a two-minute freestyle that they can have to music. They can choose music, and it can be choreographed, um, where they show us what they've taught their horse that maybe they weren't able to show off in the uh, showmanship or in-hand trail. Um, that would be the, maybe Sarah's opportunity to show that she taught her horse how to take a saddle or how to jump over barrels, or how to take fly spray and a, you know, a fly mask, or, you know, anything that they feel they would like to show the judge. That's their opportunity in those two minutes. What, what and then did you the, do in that one, Sarah? Um, I was going to ground drive my horse, um, where you have a bit in their mouth and yep. a surcingle and long lines, and you drive them. Yeah. And, I, but I didn't get it, my equipment got all tangled up and I couldn't get it together in time because <laughs> uh, we have two minutes for our freestyle and it starts as soon as you're done with your ninth obstacle. Ah, okay. Yeah, but I, I, it was all tangled up and well, you know what? Life gets tangled up. That was a good life lesson. Their 10 obstacles are very general. They um, load your horse into a trailer, um, and then they get extra points if they can back it out. Um, they could go over a bridge. What's she talking about? We can't load our horses into trailers or back them out. <laughs> Yeah, and ours They're aren't not wild. wild at all. I know, well, you know, that's relative. Yeah. That's relative. 
So, I mean, that is a big deal to be able to take a Mustang, a wild horse who's not been touched before and isn't really interested in being touched, and, and in 90 days have it load and, and unload. Was You'd there any? These, these horses are completely joined up with these kids. It's amazing to watch this competition because in 90 days, these horses have gone, like I said, from feral cats almost, just wild. I mean, we're running them into a chute, haltering them as they're striking and rearing over the top of panels <sighs> and they're scared. And, and then to watch them, they get picked up the next day after we pick them up from the corrals from our farm. And then the kids bring them back, you know, at the end of summer, 98 days later. And these horses are literally like puppy dogs with behind their kids they can't they're inseparable in these and and then to watch these kids at the sale trying to sell their their best friends i mean it's the most heartbreaking how hard was that sarah uh it was really hard (laughs) (laughs) yeah i um it wasn't quite as hard at the competition but after i got home afterwards i spent a week going oh i wish i'd kept her (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of in, tears that day. <laughs> do you get to keep in touch, like with the people that you adopt them out to? Are they willing to say to give you updates? Oh yeah, the person that I adopted Rookie to, she's she's riding her now, and she just loves her so much. And, oh, that's awesome! That's yeah. a see, that's a happy story. And if I adopted were... a Mustang, I would totally, I would like, I would be Facebook friends with you. I would send you <laughs> pictures and videos and that's invite you out to stay. <laughs> Yeah, we have uh, adopted all of the horses through this program that have, have been 100% successful in their adoptive homes and their permanent homes. Uh, no, no bad stories. So it's just been a, a great experience. A lot of the people have kept in contact with us and give us pictures of their horses being ridden in different areas and going on camping trips. And it's just been a great uh, success story. Well, and Sarah, you knew that you were going to be doing this again, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you, um, now, how do you get your list of adopters? How do you, uh, how do you shop these horses out? Um, Go ahead, Sarah. Okay, well, with, with my horse, I put ads on Dream Horse and Craigslist, and I put posters up all over, like, local feed stores and, I just I talk about the program everywhere I go, and I every time I have my Mustang with me, I tell people that she's going to be for sale, and she, the that this pro about the program and what a great program it is, and how many amazing horses are for sale through this program. And really, I feel like just getting the word out about the program and about my horse really helps um, to get adopters. Hmm. All right. So you ha- so you're responsible for marketing your own horse. You got to advertise it. Not necessarily, it. but we recommend that they do just based on the fact that the more bidders that they have, the more money they raise, and the kids get all the proceeds from the sale of the horse at the at the auction. Oh, they do. And so oh, it's wow. in their it's in their best interest to find more people to bid on their animals so that they can raise you know make more money. And I so. heard Sarah's went for a hundred thousand dollars. So that was you're pretty right. Good. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to get the kids all the, all that money. You know, that's, that's the goal of this program. Is to, uh, also, is to try to you know make this the worst of kids while um, they spend a lot. They pour a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into this into this uh, summer project, and um, we'd love nothing more than to make it worth their time with uh, a little check at the end of summer. All right. Well, here's here's a little uh, directive for you then, Erica, and to you as well, Sarah. The next time you have a Mustang that is available for adoption. 
we want to hear about it here at the Horse Radio Network. And we will give you we will give you a spot on the air to help find that Mustang a home. Great. Well, we've got 20 of them. (laughs) Well, then why don't you send me an email? Send me an email with the information and we'll make sure that the these Mustangs are everybody that we know will know that these Mustangs are available. Can you do that? Yes, you bet. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Great. Yeah. All right, so we want to keep an eye on these programs. We do hope, I hope I hear from you uh, with all the Mustangs that are available for adoption as well as progress that you're making and, and all that because I think this is a fantastic program. I really, really Thank do. You. So I hope that you'll keep in touch with us here at the Horse Radio Network. Well, thanks for having us. We really appreciate and, you guys' help. And the website is teensandorganmustangs.org, and that's where you'll find uh, the information there, and we'll put the links to it in our show notes as well. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for being on with us. And, and Sarah, good luck this year. Keep those long- I drive horses. I know what it's like to have those long lines get tangled up. <laughs> I am with you. So, uh, you know, keep them, keep them straight next time, all right? Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye, guys. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Well, I think I know where I'm going to get my next two horses. <laughs> That's going to be a long drive for those four horses all the way across the country. You can't get any further apart between you two. You really can't. But, you know, I think um, I, I think it's a really great program. And clearly, uh, Erica knows what she's doing. She's This is not a new thing for her, either working with uh, horses or working with teens. And, you know, teenagers are such a vulnerable group of people that, uh, working in a program like this, the confidence that they can take away from their successes, I think will really make extremely productive, kind, compassionate adults. And so I really, whatever I can do personally to help this program, I think I, I'd like to do. And if that means bringing home a couple of Mustangs, well, then twist my arm. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah, boy, if they're all like Sarah, she's got a good group. If they're all like Sarah, yeah. I know there is one person who's not exactly like Sarah, maybe just as enthusiastic, but a little bit different, and that would be Uncle Jimmy. (laughs) He has all the enthusiasm and energy uh, that I think these kids do, but he's making something else. He puts his energy and enthusiasm into horse treats, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He has some of the best horse treats out there, and you can get them in Oregon. You can get them in all 50 states, and you'll find them at your tack shops, or you'll find them on, on almost all the online stores. You know, if you're ordering stuff, as we talked about from Equestrian Collections, just throw in a couple of Uncle Jimmy's horse treats. He has the, the hanging balls, and he has squeezy things. The squeezy things, the things that we should talk about today, they are terrific for giving medicine. If you have pills that need to get into your horse's mouth, and, and you know how hard that is. You know, everybody tries to stick them down there, and, and you, you know, their horses and buying that and spit. How can horses take a tiny little pill and even know it's in there or in grain and just weed it out? It's amazing. That's their job. That's how they stay alive. <laughs> they just do a good job at it, too. But you know what? You put one of those pills in Uncle Jimmy's uh, squeezy buns, which are actually squeezy soft horse treats, and they're not going to weed it out because they're so good they just gobble them up. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're looking for something like that, then we highly recommend Uncle Jimmy's uh, squeezy buns. And I'll tell you what, they are terrific because they're individually packaged. They don't dry out. I could really have used a bunch of squeezy buns this last week, I'll tell you, because I had to give my horse some butte, and, and I have the butte out. That was me. <laughs> I'm going to need butte for myself. We're going to have to have, you know, I think next week's episode is going to be uh, how, just how many ways Helena can bash herself. 
Because I, I, you know, when I go back and I listen to old Stable Scoop episodes, there's always something that's wrong. Yeah, pretty much you're me. always hurting in some way because you've, <laughs> you, you, you are, you know what I always say, horse girls are klutzy. You yeah. just take that to the extreme. I really do. I really do. But wait a minute. We're in the middle of a commercial here. This is how bad it is. I wanted to talk about the butte. I have butte paste for my oh, horse. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just a little bit that has to go in their mouth. And so if you take the... Um, if you take the tip of the paste tube and you can – the squeezy buns are so soft, you can just put the tip of the tube right into the middle of the squeezy bun. Oh. You squeeze the butte right in there and then you sort of oh, It's sort of like the chocolate sp- volcano cake. You, sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. And so, um, yeah, so that, that's a really easy way. It's like putting a little filling, you know, butte flavored like filling. It's like a cream-filled donut. It's a cream-filled donut. Because – well, what I do is I, you know, obviously I shove the, the tube of butte right up into his mouth and I squirt it. And then I always do a grain chaser, you know, because obviously he'll give me the whole here. You need to wear this butte instead of it going down my stomach routine. So anyway, this combines the grain chaser with the medicine. Well, that's great. Give it a try. I, Uncle I never Jimmy's thought about putting the, the uh, butte, you know, the, the paste in, in the middle of making a donut out of it. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, donut. I love the way you think. So, Everything's about that's, food, Helena. Everything's about food. <laughs> it's true. Oh. Uncle Jimmy's brand products. You can find them online at uncle-jimmy's.com. All right, it's time for our newest segment, and Helena is leading the way here with that today. And it is called Everything I Need to Know About Life I Learned in Pony Club, Except I Didn't Do Pony Club. Uh, that's true. I did not do Pony Club, but it's one of my favorite organizations of all time. And one of the greatest things about the United States Pony Club is that it serves as one of the few organizations, uh, horse organizations, that operate with standards. I think standards should be applied across the nation. And what do I mean by standards? Those are best practices which are taught and underscored throughout um, a child's riding and horse-owning life. That's Pony Club. They cater primarily to children and, and teens. But I want to bring a series of these best practices to Stable Scoop. They'll have a little bit of a twist on it. Um, the Stable Scoop version will apply to kids of all ages, not just those with supervising parents. So that would mean Glenn, me, even Jennifer, Coach Jen, who knows it all. Sometimes we forget some of the very basics of, uh, of horsemanship. So we're going to right, I'm this- ready. What am I doing wrong? We're going to do, it's not about what you're doing wrong. It's a reminder of what you should be doing right. Oh. Practices, practices that have proven to be Isn't the that best. that just a politically correct way of saying that I'm doing it wrong? No. Okay. Best, practices, <laughs> best practices are a series of things that you do that are proven to be best. Okay. All right. What's, what's, so what are we talking about this week? Okay. So this is from the United States Pony Club Manual of Horsemanship. D level, which are basics for beginners. Now, don't everybody tune out because there are a lot of people who just completely ignore these rules. The first section we're going to do is safety rules for all riders. Okay, so here they are. There are four points to keep in mind. Dress safely, and that means, yes, wear an ASTM SEI approved helmet. So there we are. The number one rule in horsemanship how many people blow it off? Yeah, and you know what? The uh, I hope we didn't ask, but I hope the kids that are training those Mustangs wear helmets. Um, because, you know, this is the number one rule. And, and we were just out at Pony Club Nationals. They have their festival every three years here at the Kentucky Horse Park. 
We were out there last week a couple of days watching the kids, and there isn't a kid out there on a horse or near a horse that isn't wearing a helmet. Yeah, it, 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 even near a horse because a very good friend of mine got kicked in the head while she was picking a hoof. Yep. I don't lunge my horse without one. That's right. Because, yep. you know, they don't start out on a wide circle. You do lead them. You know, they, they, they do have to uh, – there's always somebody who's ready to kick out. If you had seen the movie Buck, you would understand that. Yes, so. yes. Um, okay, cool. So really, so that you know, you think, oh, that's a very basic rule. Well, that's a big one that a lot of people don't adhere to. So dress safely, including your your helmet, riding shoes or boots with a little bit of a heel. Why do we need to heel, people? So our feet don't slip through the what stirrups. <laughs> this yeah. is a pet peeve of mine, and this isn't the Pony Club doesn't just mean this while you're on the horse. They mean at the barn at all. I, we, we went out to the barn the other day to see Beaker, and, of course, there was a girl who walked in in flip-flops. I wanted to smack her. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's S-T-U-P-I-D, and that is a four-letter word in our house. But if you are going to expose your toes to the risk of 1,200 pounds per square inch or whatever it is, then you are S-T-U-P-I-D. Yeah. So, and you know what? Wear some boots, even sneakers, anything. And you clothes. know, we've all had our feet stepped on, you know, and it's the shoe that saved us from getting amputated toes. Um, it, it's it's disgusting at the very least, you know, and if you're wearing flip flops and you get stepped on by a horse, you're going to have beautiful black toenails for the whole summer. So there goes your nice pedicure. Or no toenails at, at ever, feet. ever. So, or no, oh, yeah. nasty, nasty feet. You don't want to do that. And the thing is, too, is I like it's how just... you appealed to the sensibilities of the pretty people. <laughs> of the pretty people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even I get my, my toes done every now and again. You know, <laughs> when your feet are inside horse boots all summer long, you definitely need to have your toenails painted. <laughs> they need all the help they can get. All right, so, that's a good one. Uh, and the other thing, too, is, you know, the, the, the big problems tend to happen with people who have been around horses all their lives. You get comfortable. Oh, I know my horse. He's not going to act up. It's a hot day. Uh, my horse is very well trained. He gives me all the space I need. The most accidents happen to the people who are the most comfortable with their animals. But that's when, you know, when you let your guard down is when that really bad thing happens. So keep your, your feet covered. All right, the next thing is, Long pants that don't wrinkle, rub, or bind. Now, is it a safety rule? Yeah, because long, flowing clothes, and this kind of ties in with the next point. No loose clothing, scarves, hair ribbons, earrings, bracelets, etc. And you'll see that um, in part of the show notes, I have a picture of Madonna up there. And she's riding a cute little little pinto down the streets of Manhattan uh, as part of the Letterman show. And she's doing, like, everything wrong. She has no helmet on. Is that Madonna in that picture? We'll post it on our show notes at stablescoop.com. Is that yeah, her? That's her. That, and that was not, not too long after her first riding accident in the UK where she came off and broke a couple of bones. So here she is on a strange horse, which is fine. There's, there's a guy standing at the horse's head, but she's wearing high-heeled shoes. Uh, it looks like she's wearing stretchy pants, but she's got a long tunic-type sweater on that's hanging over the horse's saddle pad. No helmet. And, of course, she's in that, like, defensive feet-forward, rider-hucked-over position. She's totally petrified, and the horse knows it. But she has nothing on her head, definitely the wrong kinds of shoes, and loose clothing. <laughs> okay, all the th things Madonna has done in life, this is probably minor compared <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't care what else she's done. She can hang upside down by her toenails for all I care. She should not get on a horse without a helmet in high heels. And I love the Dave, Dave Letterman's expression in this picture, too. It's good. Yeah. Let's just get this done, people. I hate animals. She's anybody. You just see him saying, I hate animals. And he does. He doesn't, he actually. He's a, no, he's a fan. He's oh, actually he? a, a, yeah, he's a big mush. He does like, like animals and horses in particular. But he rides Western, I think. So anyway, so those are the, the safety rules uh, from the D1 level beginning to ride. Dress safely. Wear appropriate shoes with boots and heels, uh, long pants that don't wrinkle, rub, or bind because, come on, posting with pants that bind, not fun. And uh, no loose clothing, scarves, ribbons, earrings, jewelry, etc., etc. So does it have any opinion on boxers as opposed to thongs or... or Well, both can be distracting. (laughs) (laughs) One to wear and the other to look at. Speaking of wearing, that leads us right into our next segment, Attack and Habit. Yay! Our favorite segment. Okay, music, we music, have, music, 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 oh, music. We have okay. music first. Are you going to introduce Pamela or shall I? Um, I better because I started it. Go for okay. it. So I picked the product this week, Helena, and I picked something that I came across on Facebook, never heard of them before, just saw it and followed the ad, and I fell in love. I just like when people step out of the box when making horse products. It, everything is so... Ugh. You know, we've been doing the same thing in this industry for 100 years. It's about time people start making cool stuff. And these shirts, these are T-shirts. These shirts made by Horse Worship out of Malibu, California, are cool. And we're going to have Pamela Robbins on to talk about Horse Worship, the name of the company that makes these shirts. Well, hi, Pamela. You know, I I said earlier that I was looking around uh, Facebook, and I stumbled. I'm not quite even sure how I stumbled across Horse Worship. But it made me look, thinking, of course, it was something very religious. And then I came to your website, and I saw your products and went, well, they're probably not religious, Um, but they're cool. I love this kind of stuff. And and basically describe the product. I saw it best described as rock and roll meets the horse world. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, I started riding a couple years ago, and... um, I was, you know, I was shopping all the saddleries and the tax shops, and I couldn't find anything that really, you know, turned me on. Like, you know, I see these little kids riding, and, you know, and how I feel when I ride, and it's like, it's rock and roll. We're jumping over stuff. You know, it's energetic. It's fun. It's bold. And I just started to, to have ideas about what I felt um, would describe my experience or what I felt would, you know, visually describe my experience. And so um, I started to work, you know, in Photoshop and, you know, take, you know, bold colors and um, my poetry that I write and just, you know, kind of put every piece, everything together. And what I came up with was, you know, basically wearable, wearable art. And, you know, no, it's not religious, but, you know, people feel very passionate about, you know, their horses and what they do. And so, you know, there is almost, you know, it, there is almost that feeling that, um, you know, it is almost a religion in some sense. Oh, yeah. And, we, uh, or an addiction, which yeah, are, you know, an addiction, pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> an addiction, yeah, that's, religion, that's pretty close. all the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's a very deep feeling. And that's why, that's where I came up. How can we uh, describe horse, horse, horse these shirts over the radio for people? It's kind of hard. Can you describe them somehow? Uh, um, you know, well, as I, you know, as I've, I've tried to do that, um, you know, I say my designs combine elements of things that I love, images of horses, bold colors, interesting fonts, my poetry, 
Um, and they're story. huge. The, the design takes over the whole entire shirt. They're large yeah, graphic what, tees yeah. with uh, a lot of contrasting color. Um, they're very noticeable. They're very... Um, it makes you want to look, yeah. Bold, yeah. yeah. The, the, process, the process is called all over printing. Um, you know, so it's a very specialized you know, process. And basically, it's wearable art. So, you know, you're, you know, you're basically covered, you know, your torso is covered with, with art and, you know, there's huge, you know, horse involved and, you know, some kind of, a, you know, bright, you know, jewel tone color, um, which I love. So, you know, the, the, comp- the process of printing is actually relatively complex. You know, I go for, I use a lot of color. So sometimes my screens go from four color to even seven color process. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of deal. swipes through the thing there. Now you have all different <laughs> designs too. You have dressage, uh, or all different patterns. You have dressage. You have raining, jumping, cross country jumping. I have to say, and then you have some basic ones if you're not that are not discipline specific as well. Uh, right. I do have to say that I love the raining shirt. I think it's my f- most my most favorite. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I do like that one. I don't know about you, thank Melina, you. but uh, I love the raining one. I like—I don't know which one my favorite is. I like the raining one, but I—I I like the bold, the um, the jump one because I like the orange and the sort of turquoise. Oh, the cross country one, yeah, I kind of like that one too. The jump T-shirt. I have a, this, she's got this. She's talking about the stadium jumping T-shirt, which is actually my bestseller. Um, I sell a lot of those, and that is my most popular. People love the turquoise blue and the orange, mm. and um, and the raining shirt. I got a lot of requests for uh, a Western style, and um, that was the one that kept coming up, so that was the next one that I did. So I'm going to continue to add uh, different styles as I go along and, um, you know, different disciplines, um, you know, depending on, you know, what I really get a lot of requests for. The What's different and unique about them is that they're really chic, like they're funky and fun. They're not, like, even when um, some of the manufacturers out there, the apparel manufacturers, they're, everything's so conservative and it's sweet and it's yeah. got a tiny little print, you know, and it's very preppy. And this is, you're right, Glenn, this is very much like rock and roll meets the horse world. So it's, it is very unique and you don't feel like you're, um, I don't know, there's like those cheesy print screen, <laughs> wild Mustang. I mean, I love Mustangs. Let's not get, you know, <laughs> this whole episode is about them, but you know, that, that sort of Western old school screen printing that I'm talking about and and clip art and that's that's a lot yes. of you know the, you know yeah right. and that's that's what I saw and that was really what my inspiration was I wanted to make things that me and my friends would wear and you know you can throw on a pair of leather pants and a pair of boots and wear you know any of these shirts out you know at night and um, you know throw a leather jacket over them or you know a pair of jeans or you know whatever you want so they go from the arena to you know the club, basically, you know, however, however you want, however you want. So they're very flexible um, like that. And I think that's the other thing that makes them really fun. Well, I love them. You can, if you want to see the designs, go to horseworship.com. We'll put links on our Facebook page and our show notes as well. Uh, I like them. I think you got a great start here, and I hope you sell the heck out of them. I, I think they're cool. Thank you so much, Glenn. I really appreciate it. And thank you, Helena. Well, did you like them? I love them. I'm really kind of surprised that I did because I'm like, oh, another horsey T-shirt. And then when I actually clicked on the picture for the Zoom photo, I found myself going, oh, wow, I would totally wear that. I know. These are going to be hot. I really do think that this Christmas these are going to be the hot ticket. 
Now, yeah, because they're not, they're not cheap. cheesy. Yeah, and they're, but they're also not cheap. We did want to mention that these are more expensive than your average T-shirt. But as she said, they do seven. When you do seven colors on a T-shirt, that means they're running that through the presses seven times. Yeah, that is a big deal. Yeah. So it, it's a lot of work into these shirts. And she, you know, she's working with a reputable artist. I just love them. I think they're great. Me too. Great Agreed. gift idea. Can't All right, so mind. that's uh, horseworship.com. Well, this has been a long show. You know, I think our shows are going to go a little bit longer now that we've combined Tack and Habit and added all these other new segments, but I hope people will stick with us and, and that they like them. You know, that- I do, too. We've got a lot more good things, and we're a little bit more organized. Hopefully, over time, we'll get more efficient and we'll be able to. It only uh, took us three years. <laughs> I know, I, and we still, we're a mess. We're a hot mess. <laughs> All right, that's it for today, everybody. For details about today's show, just go to Stable Stoop. You did it again. That's purple. That's mine. Uh, you are no blue. I messed it up. Okay, you can go. I, wait, people, you don't understand the show notes. I have them color-coordinated, <laughs> outlined. You can't mess this I'm, up. There are big red letters that say show wrap-up. I'm, I'm really and not in good blue, with rules. because that, That's why I started my own company is because I'm not real good with rules. These are not rules. These are – this is like – this is like baby food. You, right, you just spoon right. it in. Okay, it's so easy. It. I'll shut up. I'm going to go unmute now. You have to say it. Oh, fine. Be sure to log on next Friday, everyone, for another episode of Stable Scoop. Who knows what we're going to talk about, but it should be lots of fun. As Glenn was starting to say before I rudely interrupted him, but out of necessity, I had to. For details about today's show, go to staplescoop.com. You will find links to uh, the guests that we had on here today, photos, and more details about them. And as always, we love your feedback, so please follow us on Facebook under Stable Scoop. Every once in a while, we send out a tweet. We're at Horse Radio on Twitter. And, of course, you're welcome to leave us feedback at our website at StableScoop.com forward slash contact. Now, Glenn, would you like to thank our sponsors? It's in blue, so I'll do that. Many thanks to our sponsors, EquestrianCollections.com and Uncle Jimmy's brand products at Uncle-Jimmy's.com. And, of course, you can visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Super cool new closing. Oh, I wasn't <laughs> supposed to say that, was I? That's <laughs> no, in black. it's not in blue. Is that why it's in it's black? It's in black, oh, yes. okay. Let me do that again. So be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Well, Helena, that's it for this week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Glenn, I think that's plenty, but there will be more next week. That's our cheesiest damn closing ever. It is. It was. You know, it's only cheesy because of the way you say it. Crikey. And I have to get right. Here's the thing. I have to write a whole new, super new closing because Glenn has cheesified this one. It's no longer cool. It's super cheesy. And so and and it's going to take him another three years to learn that show closing and he's going to cheesify that too so it's this is my life thanks (laughs) everybody for listening (laughs) bye